Hey there, my name is Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time with us, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. In each episode, we explore leadership strategies that increase your capacity and effectiveness with people. Currently, we're in week seven of the Archipus series, which is helping us discover the importance of personal ministry and how to live that out. We put this entire series together to give Christ followers a set of resources that could help them recognize the importance of replicating their faith in Jesus and develop a renewed passion for disciple making. For those of you who have been following along, hopefully this series has helped you do just that. It has helped me. It's been so encouraging for me. And if you're new to the series, consider pausing this episode and check out episode 27 titled The Archipus Assignment with Robbie Richard. The reminding episodes will catch you up to speed with where we are today. All right, well, let's jump into today's focus. I have a special guest with me, Jericho Jones. Jericho is the discipleship pastor at North Rock Hill Church. Jericho, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. Oh, Chris, thank you for having me. And man, um, I'm just excited to partner and uh, be a part of this. Yeah, it has been so fun to talk to you, talk to Chad, talk to Cody. I mean, we've talked to James Farnham and we've talked to so many different people and we're just getting this clarity around discipleship based off of a simple verse, Colossians 4.17. You guys are currently in a series creating a culture of discipleship at North Rock Hill. Um, man, catch us up to speed. How has that been for you? What has been the the pulse of this idea in y'all's congregation? One of the things that has been kind of ironic is that COVID let us hit pause on a lot of the stuff that we were doing. And man, it led us to pray and we had a staff offsite. And through that, um, we just saw some of the things that we were running after, maybe didn't have the clarity that we thought we did. Through that, we just Man, we, we wanted to do what the scriptures said, and we saw that as making disciples. So birthed out of that was just some clarity about, hey, what we're doing, the methods that we are going with, do they reflect what Christ has called us to? And so we've been tweaking, and this sermon series, Building a Culture of Discipleship, is really there to create movement in mm-hmm. our people to move towards Jesus Christ. And, and so the implications of that are to be seen, but we're already seeing some of that movement in our people in just the fir- first uh, several weeks. Yeah. Well, it's it's been so good. And I know that you are, you're busy. So I want to jump into this. You guys had another child. And so I'm sure you're exhausted in some way, but I appreciate <laughs> you taking time to spend with us today. I'd love to ask you a ton of questions about ministry and life, but I just want to jump into this passage. Today, we're going to be focusing on Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you're listening to this and you want to pause the episode and just take a moment to read that scripture, that's what we're going to be focusing on today. But there's so much good meat in here. I mean, when you think about being strategic, Uh, when you think about the strength that God has given us in Christ and and some of the application. I mean, just reading this, uh, there's so much good stuff in here. You had put some things together for the devotion for North Rock Hill, and you titled it Repent, Reposition, and Reprioritize. Walk us Mm -hmm. through a little bit about what you put together and what you were hoping others to learn from this passage of scripture and just from some of the ideas and questions that you put together. 
One of the, the big words, catch words right now is pivot. I use that with a little bit of cringe, but when we're looking at a disciple, we're not looking at a attender in church. We're looking at somebody who's engaged, somebody that, that has some skin in the game and is moving towards kingdom purposes. And so, yeah. you know, in this passage, he starts off and just, he says, if then you've been raised in Christ, so he, if you're a believer, if you're a disciple, do these things. And so that is seek the things that are above. And as Christians mature, they start to want and desire the things that Jesus wants and desires. And out of that is this pivot in the believer to a whole new life. I met with our elders and met with our staff and met with a lot of my small group leaders and just was personal and transparent and said, I need to confess that we've made the win becoming a member or a partner of our church and not making disciples. And so mm. I had to start there and just say, as a leader, I, I need to ask for your forgiveness that we have assimilated you into our church and then into our systems. And that's been good for us, but it's not put at the forefront, the priority of you becoming closer and moving towards Christ and helping other people do that as well. So this passage, you can look at verse five. Let's see. Oh, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he goes on a list. How do you see that as repentance? Yeah. The about face, just turning around, putting what you were chasing before to death and turning from that. And I start to think about a heat-seeking missile. Our target was become a partner, get in the, on our list, a giving partner. And yeah. it wasn't locked in on be a disciple maker. So. Yeah. Man, God's calling us as disciple makers to simple things, mm. not lying to each other, to putting on a new nature, to clothe ourselves with humility, gentleness, patience, to make allowance for each other's faults, to fill our lives and, and teach one another in wisdom and, and sing songs. I mean, there's just so many verbs mm. that are in this passage of scripture. And so for you, we're thinking about this series, we're thinking about this verse, Colossians 4, 17, that we started with off in the beginning in episode 27. And Paul says, and say to Archibus, be sure to carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. Let's just say we replace that because that's what we talked about in the sermon this past weekend. That's how that's where Chad left us off and the congregation off with. He, and he took that word Archibus out of the line and he said, mm-hmm. hey, your name there. How do you respond to that? Based off of some of the things in this passage, how do you respond to that uh, statement if Paul was writing that to you? Yeah, I think in our context, we've got a lot of people who've been in church for a while. And so last August, we planted a church, Old Town Church was birthed. And out of that, we, we didn't realize it, but we see now that a lot of our mature, more mature believers were a part of that new work. And our, yeah. our congregation, you know, was left were people who were younger in the faith, uh, not all of them, obviously, but there was a lot more youth. And so we kind of looking around and we're like, okay, we need to raise up 90 new leaders. And we're like, where are we, where are these people going to come from? Yeah. And that vacuum was a healthy thing for us because it allowed us to see that we need to be in the business of developing and making disciples and leaders. And, um, and so that was a, a need that, that came out of, out of that. And so we as a, as a church and an organization um, got lean real quick, and we had to 
um, make our, one of our core values perfectly dependent a reality. Mm-hmm. Was we prayed, we, we need 90 new leaders in two months. And um, we're looking around like, where are they going to come from? And mm-hmm. uh, God was good to us. And, and uh, those leaders were identified and, uh, and put, in, put into motion. I think we've listened to a lot of these episodes and we've read the scriptures and there's still sometimes this confusion of how do I do discipleship? Like, how do I make a disciple? And that is the ministry that God has given us. Most of our stretch assignments have helped challenge us to help think through Mm -hmm. this. Today, I wanted to share just a, a practical application of this for me, and then maybe you can piggyback off of this and give me a story. But I've got a good friend of mine. He has been a friend in ministry for years, and we daily probably send each other Marco Polos. You know, we're we're having conversations, we're sharing ideas. And this morning, he sent me a Marco Polo and confessed to me that he was really prideful in an area. He basically had a guy that was supposed to show up. He didn't. And after that happened, some of the guys at work were like, hey, why are you here so early? And and instead of just kind of moving on, he was like, man, you're not going to believe that this is what this guy did. How dare he? You know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he didn't say all those words, but that was where his heart was. And then come to find out, he gets a text message later from this guy and says, hey, um, I'm so sorry. You know, something happened in my family, major issue. And uh, I've, I've had to deal with that this morning. I just didn't have enough time to message you. And so that made him feel like awful. So anyways, he began to then tell me how wrong that was. And then he began mm-hmm. to talk to me about um, a passage of scripture. And he told me the story of Mordecai and how Mordecai was wrongly accused and was about to be on the gallows. And and then, of course, the king gets word about this man that's helped him and his kingdom. And it happened to be Mordecai. He's like, man, let's celebrate this guy, you know? And then the next thing we see is Mordecai is celebrated instead of being hung. He's like, you know, celebrated. And so anyways, he went on to that, all that to say that that inspired me to, to want to do the same thing that inspired me to want to be like, you know what? I don't have my stuff together. I make my mistake. I make mistakes. And so I went and responded to him and was like, man, let me tell you something that happened to me. You know, like, you know, I have felt very, very prideful in a certain area. And, and I kind of went on to tell him something and, but that kind of repent, reposition, reprioritize. I mean, that is discipleship. That is, that is, Mm -hmm. Both of us being involved in one another's life, meeting each other's needs, and then just helping mm. us grow towards Christ. So, anyways, that was really fresh for me this morning. And mm-hmm. I, I've been, I was talking to my wife yesterday about just how this series has really given me clarity into the the work of discipleship. Every day now, I'm like the Archippus glasses are coming on. I'm seeing people through the lens of mission and ministry, and it is just mm. it has been a game changer for me. So, I'd love to. Hear Mm -hmm. just from you and that that story that I've shared, if there have been instances with you as you kind of put Mm -hmm. some of this, you know, this new self in Colossians 3.10, it says, put on Mm -hmm. the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That is discipleship right there with someone else. Is there a story of that Mm -hmm. recently that you could share with us? Yeah, I got a couple instances. In my small group that I lead, one of the guys in there, we were done with the group and people were going home and he's just kind of hanging back. And he, he just said, man, I, this stuff that we're, we're saying about making disciples being the win, 
man, it's really making me wrestle. And I said, tell me more about that. And he said, if this is true, then there's a lot of things about my life that don't make sense. And um, he, he started to open up. And one of the things that he said was, if I were Jesus, I would not have made a single disciple. And I said, what do you mean? He said, if I was Jesus and had, you know, I would got, I would have had a healing ministry. I'd have gone around. I, I would have had fans, but I would not have made disciples. And man, out of that conversation is in him, just this understanding that's growing, that he has a responsibility to make disciples, that this torch that Jesus passed to those 12 and really 11 then was passed down the last 2000 years. And here it is being placed in his hands and he's feeling the weight of that torch in his hand. And he's like, man, I'm not doing anything with this. And, and just to see that just as a pastor, as a small group, I'm like, yes, he's getting it because that personal responsibility is being transferred to my friend. And then one of my, he's, he's my best friend. We've been you know, we're on the phone weekly with each other. He calls me and we've been talking through discipleship in our own life. And he sat down with a pastor at another church and was challenged, Hey, you need to be a part of these ministries that are going on in these areas. And my friend is a father of three kids all under the age of like seven. And they're just in a a spot where they don't have a lot of time and they're pretty leveraged in a lot of areas. And he, he's, He's like, well, I just can't go across town after putting my kids to sleep. And, and, and through this conversation with my, my buddy, Brad, he, he just said, um, man, what help me understand what disciple making in my stage of life looks like. And I said, man, I, I don't, I don't know, but I, I don't know your specific thing, but I do know that discipleship looks different at whatever stage and whatever season that you're in. And so for him, he told me that this looks like he needs to be intentional when he's sitting down with clients in his practice, when he's sitting at the kitchen table with his wife and his kids, when he's at the gym and he's playing tennis with guys at the club, like it happens there. And he had this new vision for the possibilities of discipleship in his life that he didn't have without just challenging with some simple questions. And I see a possibility for the local church when believers start to feel the weight of that torch in their hands. What are the possibilities for the kingdom that can happen when that, when that responsibility is in the individual's hands? And, and the answer, as best as I can see, is we don't know. Yeah. And um, that's kind of exciting and, and for me. Yeah. Well, I think there's there's a lot here. I mean, you look at these scriptures and you you think about to yourself, you know, what does it mean to put off the old self? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's even just a thought in itself, the old thought of discipleship, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just rethinking what this practice looks like and mm-hmm. you know, getting involved in people's life, meeting their needs, helping them grow in their relationship with Christ. I mean, that is the discipleship work. That is the passion that, that Jesus has has left with us. And so what does it look like to move from, from this old way of thinking and, and that being a new way of thinking? Um, follow me and I will make you disciples. How do we do that same thing? And so for you, what have been some new insights into this series 
that you gleaned from? I mean, I know you shared earlier about just even membership, mm-hmm. you know, creating members versus creating disciples. I mean, you still yeah. have to do some of that work. There's still have we still have to help people understand what it looks like to be under authority of church, under the church and, and membership. I and mean, when people feel part of a team, they stick around longer. Church mm. is just some cog, you know, it binds people to one another. It binds people to ministry. You know, if you're on a sports team, you're working together with one another. So mm. there is something to membership. And, and I believe that that is important, but the shift in mindset, the pivot, the course correction that you've had, have you had any other ideas like that, that have mm-hmm. popped in your head that like, this is what discipleship is going to look like for me in my season. You're, you're kind of naming, like, there is a pivot that old self and new self Paul talked about is crucial. I mean, A.W. Tozer, his knowledge of the Holy starts off with what we think about when we think about God is the most defining and important thing about you. And that's not the quote. That's my version of it. But that idea of the old self, what you want for your life is the old self. Like you, you had an idea. First 22 years of my life was on a track to be a famous baseball player and God wrecked that and ruined it. And he put himself as that image, that thing that was the ideal And so moving towards the image of God just started to have a a new trajectory. And when Jesus called his disciples, I think of being on the beach, the disciples holding their nets and coming by and just saying, come and follow me. And there's this moment where they're holding onto their nets and they have to make a decision. Hmm. This is my old self holding the net, going to go back out and fish or the new self, which I have no idea what it looks like, to, to begin to just follow. And so when you take that step and you drop your nets, you start to take one step and then do what Jesus tells you to do, which is often drop old parts of you. Let that stuff burn away so that you just become refined in the following of Christ. And so that's, for me, when... I. I I titled the devotion, repent, reposition, and reprioritize. This is the repositioning. It's saying I'm repositioning the trajectory and the the destination of my life off of what was former and putting it on Christ himself, not a, not a goal or an idol, but on a person and on a, on God himself, you know, in psychology, you could get into this even like there's a health to having a goal. There's sayings like shoot for the stars and all this stuff, but there's nothing more perfect than God. But what Jesus did was take this idea of God that's Old Testament and not completely defined, and he defined it not in definition, but in personality. And because we have the scriptures, the person of Jesus is, is defined. And because of that, we now have a person who's calling us to himself and it's much better than idols that you see in the old testament or uh, you know today's idols career all that stuff and so we have a very clear picture of what we're chasing in this new self and in that process of chasing the new self we are being sanctified i think as a as the church there was a lot of emphasis put on the decision to follow christ the the um, and you could say, you know, justification and um, all the technical terms we, we put on salvation. But what happens 
after that moment, there's a lot of people on the bench in church who are bored because they don't know. They don't know what's next. And this progressive sanctification that we're called to is just this fuzzy thing. And it doesn't have to be. Uh, it, It can be something that's exciting. It can be something that's extremely meaningful and purposeful and kingdom building for our church at North Rock Hill. We've seen this as the, the, the place where we are wanting to double down in and developing people and giving them a, a way to reposition their lives uh, on this new trajectory. And so, yeah. And then, and then finally, because of this, there's a lot of reprioritizing that comes. So yeah, when I, I can get into more of that, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Well, I think that we could probably talk about this for a while. I mean, this is, we're still having conversations. I mean, this is part seven, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and we are coming close to it, but I want to land the plane here. I want to share a couple ideas that have been brewing in me as we've been preparing to, to talk and thinking about how do we move from the old self to the new self? It says in Colossians three verses one and two, it says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So this is the new self. This is a, this is where we're going, right? So then verse two says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So that's part of the new self. So a couple ideas I wanted to share that I've been brewing on based on those two verses. And then I'd love to get your feedback. So three practical things I think that we could do. Number one, I think we need to move past superficial. We need to get to confession with other men, women with other women. And you think about confession, you think about just this agreement with judgment, right? So, you know, judge yourself so someone can know who you really are. You have to acknowledge it. You know, you have to entrust yourself to them. And so people need to know the real you. And if you're going to move from the old self to the new self, I think that that's key. They need to know that you're weak. When you share vulnerability and you're transparent, it helps people see that you actually care about them because you're giving them, you're giving them power over yourself. So, cause like, Hey, I did this thing. This wasn't right. I'm weak in this area. I can't handle it. And then, so you're now coming under an authority of somebody else, right? You're saying, Hey, I'm telling you this thing. So I think that's the first thing is that we need to move past superficial. We need to get to confession. I think the second thing we need to do is we need to work and that's the discipleship peace, right? So you think about men, we were created for work. We were created to produce. We see that in Genesis 3. And I think that work, I think discipleship, the discipleship work that God has entrusted to us is our pathway to intimacy. We do discipleship work. It it gives us this intimate relationship with God, and it's a binding ministry together. We talked about the difference between mission and ministry, that mission is the work of discipleship. It is disciple making disciples ministry is like my contribution to that. You know, I'm different than Jericho. Jericho is different from me. So this is you and me getting something done in ministry. That I think is the second piece. And I think the third piece is just persevering. It's this ongoing need to exhort and encourage one another to speak into each other's life, 
to just infuse encouragement, to hang in with people, to not give up with them. I mean, you have to know people to be able to exhort them. So, you know, in order to speak truth to people, you got to know them. And so I think that that's how we persevere. So I don't know. Those are three ideas I think that we could take from this passage. What would be your thoughts? Anything that you'd want to end on that? Man, just hearing you you talk about that, the vulnerability piece is a great starting place. I, I totally agree. In terms of work, there, there's humility that comes through the work. We could have great ideals, but the work brings it to ground level. And, um, yeah. and I think that's important. You need to have some, some strength. And what I mean by that is you need to have sense of who you are in, in Christ, so this new self. And so, yes, I'm desperately fallen and I, I'm sinful and I'm screwing up. But at the same time, that's not all defining about who I am, because there's uh, this other piece that Christ is working into me, which is this new self, this new identity. And so when you talked about encouragement, that's what I thought, thought of as believers saying, yes, this is true, but you need to also know in Christ, these other things are also absolutely true. Yes. And the shift from the old self to the new self fundamentally is a miracle. I mean, it's a work of the Lord, right? Salvation. Um, that's right. But, uh, but, the, but out of that, God gives us this audacious, crazy responsibility to take this miracle of this new self and say, work that out. Begin to walk in a manner worthy. I just am amazed at God's belief and faith that, because he's God, obviously, but he gives us that responsibility to, to then start walking and being a new, you know, new, newer dad, a two-year-old and a two-week-old, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling to give my two-year-old the responsibility to put his plate away in the sink because it's like he's going to make a mess, right? And, right, and yeah. God is allowed. Yeah, he's he's given us space to get it wrong because he knows that in the end we're being conformed to more of this new self. Amazed at God's goodness and his sovereignty over our sanctification. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Jericho. I've really valued this conversation, and I just think it adds value to the work that God's entrusted to us. So I want to thank you for joining us today, man. Mm, Thank you so much, man. And I'm just blessed that I just get to be a part of the body, trying to build each other up and partner to make disciples. Well, as we wrap up today's episode and part seven of the Archivist series, I want to thank you for joining us. The goal of this series has really just been to help Christ followers recognize the importance of replicating their faith in Jesus and developing a renewed passion for disciple making. So be sure to check out the series. Also check out the Archivist stretch assignment for this episode. It's designed specifically for you to create movement with your tribe. If you're new to the podcast, consider signing up to receive these tools in your inbox with each new episode. You can head on over to culturebus.cc forward slash podcast to sign up. There you'll get access to each episode stretch assignment and the leader guides. Join us next week as we dive back into the book of Colossians. We're going to look at how we can discover the importance of personal ministry and how to live that out. All right. I'll see you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.